0: Well, good morning. It's uh, good to be with you and um, looking forward to the day and the weekend uh, here at the church. And thank you for coming to the youth rally. Um, I know that youth rallies are supposed to be all about games and fun, and uh, they should be. I think fun is good. Um, I don't think soccer's good, but. uh, (laughs) Does it hurt? (laughs) Well, we also want to accomplish something. Um, there, you know, there's plenty of time to be wasted in our lives. We do a lot of that, and um, fun is not necessarily wasted time. But there's there's a there's a bigger um, there's a bigger need in our life than simply to be entertained. <clears throat> so, I trust today the Word of God will do that, and that you'll uh, that you'll consider seriously what you hear from the Word of God. And not just give it a good head nod. You know, a lot of times we agree with everything we hear, but it doesn't make any difference in our life. And that's not really agreement. That's just sort of a mental assent, if you will. What we need to do is come to the point where every time the word of God is preached or every time we open the Bible in our devotions and begin to read, that we would just take that one thing, that we'd ask God to show us that one thing, and that we would apply it to our life so that we would be constantly being transformed by the word of God. The word of God was never intended as education, or pardon me, as entertainment. It was intended to transform our lives from the inside out. Take your Bible, if you would, and open the book of Colossians in chapter two. My voice will get going here in a little bit, I promise. Is this water less than a week old? Oh, take, I'll take that as a No. <laughs> You know, sometimes you're glad you ask, you know. (laughs) Amen. Colossians chapter two, I'm gonna uh, begin to read with you in the beginning of the chapter, but I'm just gonna read a few verses down. We may talk about a couple of more. Uh, I wanna be cautious of our time this morning, but uh, it says this, for I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them uh, at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love unto all riches, unto the full assurance of understanding. Get that phrase, the full assurance of understanding. Uh, To the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Another key phrase, not one we're gonna preach on, one we're going to step on. But it says here, you need to be um, sure in the full assurance of understanding and you need to be secure so that no one can beguile you with um, slick words or uh, interesting words, uh, enticing words. Verse five, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him, that's Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily." Let's have a word of prayer together. I really want to talk to you today about your brain. Is that okay with you? I want to talk to you about how you use your brain and the effect it has in your life and what the Word of God says about it. Father, thank you for our time. I pray you'd help us, and uh, Lord, be honored by what we do here. Uh, Father, we understand, or I I pray we understand, and we will, that there will be no spiritual transformation that leaves out our mind that it all really begins in our mind and that, and that it is our mind through which we engage you and that we walk in you and that our, our mind and how we use it and the content and the substance of our mind is of utmost importance in our lives. And I pray that you'd help us this morning, Lord, uh, uh, to just uh, enjoy your word, but to grow on your word and to honor you by uh, how we respond to your word. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So I pointed out a couple of phrases to you as we went through this, and I, and I did that on purpose uh, because, obviously, of where we're leading. But let me point them out to you again. In verse, uh, pardon me, I've got to get my, in verse number two, it says this, that you would come unto the full assurance of understanding. What does understanding mean? Someone tell me. It's okay, it's Interactive Tuesday. I know it's Saturday, but don't worry about that. <laughs> What does understanding mean? Yes, sir. Uh, Sort of. That's a a good start for understanding. Yep. Yes, sir. Knowing what they're talking about. Okay. Uh, You had your hand up? Yes. To know what has been said. Okay. So, uh, yes, sir. To 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 be able to comprehend it. That was very well said. Did you read that? Did you just come up with it on the spot? That was very good. Very good. So that's really closer. So knowledge, of course, is important. Knowledge is the, the the bedrock of this. Let's say, but and the Bible talks a lot about knowledge, and uh, in fact, we'll probably talk about it a little bit here. But knowledge is really the starting point. Okay, knowledge means I learned something. Knowing something and having understanding aren't always the same. You've heard uh, maybe phrases like this, well, they're educated idiots. Have you ever heard that? Can you say idiot here? Um, yeah. It was an illustration. It wasn't, it wasn't an accusation, okay? Not yet. That comes in the second hour. But um, have you ever heard that phrase, like educated idiots? Like, well, they're really educated, but they have no common sense, right? Uh, well, common sense is another issue, but that's the difference with understanding. Understanding and wisdom are, are closely related. What is wisdom? Yes, sir experience no but it could possibly to some degree come from there you had your hand up no okay what is wisdom yes sir yeah that's exactly right yes sir go ahead having knowledge and knowing what to do with it, having knowledge and knowing what to do with it. I like that so having knowledge is one thing right having understanding means and really wisdom they're almost interconnected means that I can take that knowledge and it actually does something or I can do something with it in my life I can operate in understanding right so quickly how many of you know that when you're uh, when you turn on a stove the burner gets hot you know that has anyone ever touched one no understanding (laughs) it's really that simple right How many of you know if you're driving on ice and you slam on the brakes, you skid out of control? Has anyone ever done that? Yeah, all the boys in here that drive should be honest and raise their hand, okay? I was one once too, And that's the difference really between knowledge and understanding. So please get this. I don't want to get bogged down on understanding. But he says this. Listen, the necessity in your life is that that you would be comforted, knit together in love unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding. And that really when we are trying to walk with God and live according to the word of God, it requires, yes, knowledge, but it requires that we would come to the place of understanding with the word of God. So instead of just knowing church answers, right, and how to, how to you know, uh, win the Bible quiz and get the prizes at Zonk, we would know how uh, to use that knowledge of the Word of God when we're out there in, uh, in our classes in school and they say something like, tremendously knowledgeable, like, men can have babies. There's a difference. Everyone knows that that's impossible, and yet it's an issue. Why lack of understanding? You can't really live for Christ with simple knowledge. Here's what he says: You've got to come to the full assurance of understanding. Everybody with me here? All right, good. So, and then we read uh, we read uh, another one that that we have been taught, right? So uh, we really get there the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse three: Um, uh, Unless this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. And so he's really setting up verse eight, and we'll get there just momentarily, saying this. You need this kind of knowledge and understanding and wisdom. They all really produce knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. You need it because there's somebody who's trying to take you somewhere where you don't really want to go. And they're beguiling you. What does it mean to be beguiled? Hmm. Yes, sir. Tricked? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. That's Okay. Yeah, so to sort of be uh, enticed, swayed, tricked with words. Isn't that right? Uh, To to tell you that what you think you know is not true. It's happening every day in America. uh, People are being beguiled, believers. They're trying to beguile them. They're trying to say things are true that aren't true and then convince you that they are true. Let me tell you the phrase they use. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I will anyway. Follow the science. Does that make you want to throw up a little bit? (laughs) Because it's so not the science, and there's no understanding. They're using that phrase so they can make you think something is that isn't. Has everybody got this? And so he's really building up this, and he's he's really emphasizing to them the importance of their intellect. Okay, God created you with an intellect. In fact, the image of God in which he created you is intellect, will, and emotion, And so you were were designed to learn and to gain understanding, wisdom, so that you would make choices with your will that were in accordance with the truth of the word of God. And you would then experience out of that the abundant life in Christ, joy unspeakable and full of glory, sadly lacking in Christians today, Uh, peace that passes all understanding. These are emotions uh, that are produced in our life when we apply knowledge and understanding wisdom uh, to life, okay, and we live that way. And and Paul is writing them saying, you have to understand you're under some attack in your life spiritually. And the way you get through this is not by closing your eyes and saying, I'm a Baptist, I don't swear. The way you get through these things is by applying knowledge with understanding. Is everybody here with me? And so he comes to verse eight. Look at verse eight with me. We'll read it in our very best church voice, okay? Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Isn't that a nice church voice? So let me ask you a question. Have you ever used the word beware? You've used the word beware other than in English class? Have you ever used it like in life? No, really? You guys need to get out from behind the video game console and go start doing something risky in your life. Your parents will like me for that. Um, you know, walk barefoot in a blizzard. I mean, come on. So we understand what the word beware means, right? So how many of you think it's ever used legitimately like this, beware? That's not how you use beware. Beware. Beware is like you're out hunting and there's a rattlesnake that your friend's about to step on, right? Yeah. And you go like this. Hey, uh, it might not be a best idea if you took another step. <laughs> <laughs> right after he gets a bit, he goes. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what you do. Yeah. You like, do this. Beware! Yeah. <laughs> because that's what that word is. It's a word that's urgent, that says you are in imminent danger. That means immediate, right now, that if something doesn't change and you're not very careful, you are going to be beguiled. You're going to be taken away. And so he says, listen, uh, beware lest any man spoil you. So I know that many of you are spoiled and you like it. What does it mean to be spoiled? To have something that someone else doesn't. That's kind of almost there, but that was great. Thank you. Who else wants to add to that? Yes, sir. Get anything you want. Get anything you want. Hmm. I was gonna say that. You were going to say that? Yes, sir. Yeah. So that is a spoiled. And if you're like that, you should be spanked. Um, <laughs> but that is not what this passage is using. And that's not this world spoiled. Yes, sir. It does, and it is a military term, okay? And what it means is when someone spoils you is that they take from you that which rightfully belongs to you. So the illustration that he used is right. It's constantly read or talked about in terms of conflict. And when one army or people would defeat another, you read about it in scripture, they spoil the enemies, okay? And here's what he says, beware lest any man spoil you. That there's actually someone who's trying to take from you that which rightfully belongs to you in Christ Jesus. If you're lost here today, you really can't be spoiled because you have nothing that matters. But if you know Christ as your Savior, with your salvation comes certain things. I've already talked about them. Joy and peace, right, and assurance, and confidence, victory over the world and the flesh and the devil. And so there is is an effort constantly underway to take from you that which Jesus purchased for you. Not your salvation, that's secure, but everything that comes with it. And that's the spoiling. And so he says this, you need to watch out because you are in immediate danger, immediate danger of being spoiled by something. And then he describes it. He says, uh, "Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit uh, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world. So you, you wonder why I'm asking you all these questions because I don't want your mind out there somewhere when we're talking, okay? Um, so what is philosophy? It's like bad for Christians, right? Philosophy is bad for Christians, is that? What's Philosophy. I mean, it's your game time. You can take as much of it in here as you want to. I don't care. I don't I'm not playing the games. I'm watching. Yes, sir. A way, a way of thinking. Okay, I don't disagree with that. Philosophy is really a systematic way of thinking. Okay, so we think after some boundaries. That's the way. Our, that's the way we work. Every one of you, whether you've defined it, understood it or not, you live according to some systematic way of thinking. For some of you, it's very scattered because you're teenage and you're female, and that. Uh, <laughs> And we can't really help you too much, but we love you anyway. Hang on to our hand until we get to the light, okay? But no, I'm sorry, girls. That's terrible, I shouldn't have said that. Um, So philosophy is the, is the, the way or the thing, sort of the lens that we think through. And all of us have this. And it's, it's how our mind functions. And so here's the way it works. You see things, and based upon the philosophy, right, the sort of systematic way that you live, you say, preacher, I don't have a philosophy. No, 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 you do. Just stay with me here. Based upon that, you make a decision about whatever comes at you. Your philosophy really develops your understanding, Okay, And so, uh, so you make a decision, uh, and if you, within the systematic way you think in your life, think that, that uh, being uh, pure and moral is no big deal, uh, that's just a part of your philosophy. You'll engage things, you'll have opportunities, and you'll be immoral because that's okay according to your systematic way of thinking. And understand what the Bible teaches us is that everything in your life, every single thing in your life is determined by the way you think. Everything about it, the 119th Psalm says, teach me thy laws and I will keep thy ways. Give me understanding that I may keep thy statutes. Why? Because he understands this, that what's going on up here determines everything going on here every decision that I make, every relationship and how I conduct myself in it, everything about my life is determined by my way of thinking. Now, for a Christian, we're to have a mind that's after Christ and a way of thinking after Christ. But this is what he says. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy, that's one, and vain deceits. What are vain deceits? This is a question you should be asking when you read the Bible. What are vain deceits? Yes, sir, empty lies. Yeah, they're empty or substance-less lies that have the purpose of taking something from you. So vain deceits aren't just, um, you know, like they do at preacher's fellowships. Hey, how many did you have on Sunday? 400. (laughs) That's an empty lie. Empty church, empty lie, no one that That's a deceit, but that's not what's being spoken about here. Because notice it says, beware lest any man spoil you, take what's rightly belongs to you through philosophy, you developing a systematic way of thinking, and vain deceits, in other words, empty lies that have the intention of taking something away from you or moving you where, uh, where you uh, don't want to be, being beguiled. Those are vain deceits. And so uh, what's happening in your life, please listen to me, that you've got these messages coming at you that are telling you things that are empty. There's no substance, no truth, no science behind them. And they're deceits. They're done for the purpose of getting you to think something is that isn't or isn't that is. Everybody understand this? So see if you can. Our, your, your life is full of vain deceits. Full. Full. Now I'm not saying they're coming from you. They're coming at you. So let's think for a second about one of the, what, just if you can think of one vain deceit, empty lie to get you to think something or move somewhere, or change your mind about something that you hear in your life. Can anybody think of one? Yes, sir. Yeah, evolution, that's uh, rather generic, but the system of evolution is vain deceit. It starts with this, really, there's the vain deceit, that there's no need for you to adhere to truth because you came from pond scum, okay? That's the vain deceit. Evolution is the system that teaches that. And so what it does is try to convince you that there is no God and so you don't need to listen to the Bible or people who, whatever God has to say because God uh, is inconsequential because you didn't really come from God. It is a vain deceit. Do you get the idea? Let's try another one. Let's be more specific, but let's try another one. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, that's a vain deceit for sure. It's not the world's biggest one, but it surely is one, right? It's a vain deceit. You know, it gets you the idea that, you know, if if someone calls it music, that it has no effect in your mind. Uh, Years ago, I used to listen to a lot of different kinds of music. Now I just only listen to myself sing, which is not pleasurable, (laughs) but it's pure. Um, um, And I thought, it's just music. I just like the beat. I don't like the words. I don't care about the words. So I told my dad, I don't care about the words. I just like the beat. You know, in that country, rockabilly stuff's really got some rhythm. You know, it's good, you know. And I believed that until I had children. I remember walking down the hall of my house with a crying baby, trying to figure out how to make this baby sleep. Mom went out. Moms always do that. They know when the baby's going to cry, and they leave. <laughs> Busted. and I started singing words to a song that I didn't know I knew, though I'd heard it lots of times. I mean, it had been years, preacher. You want to hear the words? They're good, good and stupid. Here's what I sang to my baby. I was drunk the day my mom got out of prison, and I went to pick her up in the rain. And before I could get to the station in my pickup truck, she got run over by a dang old train. Don't go look for it. It's trash. And it'll fill your mind with trash. It's a vain deceit. You Get it? How about this one? Christians are just blind followers. They don't use any reason at all. They, they, they don't have, they just are following, you know. They're just like robots, They believe anything the pastor tells them to believe. Is that what's expected of us as believers? Does God want you to be someone who just goes, I don't know why, I mean, uh, they just told me that at church, so is that what he wants? Is that what he calls for you to be? No, in fact, the opposite is true. In the book of Isaiah, here's what God says to the people of Israel, come now, let us reason together. Let's sit down and, and let's, let's get understanding and knowledge here so that your sin can be forgiven. Though your sins be as scarlet, they may be white as snow. Though they be red like clim- uh, clim- crimson, thank you. <laughs> now, they might be like wool. But he doesn't ask them just to go, hey, just say these three words after me and it'll all be okay. He said, you know what? You need to engage your mind in this and you need to have some understanding, knowledge and understanding so you can make a choice with your will that will bring you to everlasting life. But the vain deceit says, oh, it's just, it's, just a, it's just a bunch of people that are ignorant, they don't know, they don't use their minds at all. It's sometimes true, sadly, uh, but uh, they don't use their minds at all and they're just blindly following. That is a vain deceit. And you know why it's there? To try to get you to look bad at the people that are trying to lead you to walk with Christ and not to listen anymore, to go la, 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 because after all, they're just trying to get me to be a, bl- a blind follower. It's just not true. But it'll spoil you. One more, or two, or six. And this it's true. Uh, that's, a, that's a vain deceit. I think it's probably connected to a deeper one, but it is interesting. How many of you know this? If you put on a baseball, pat, uh, baseball hat, you are not Babe Ruth. If you put on a really goofy-looking hat and red robes, you are not the Pope. And if you put a bunch of gold chains around your neck and gold f- ring, uh, rings on your fingers, you are not LL Cool J or whoever. It's not true. Who you are is in you. It's your character and your nature, and you're created in a particular way. This idea of identification is constantly, uh, uh, it's constantly contradicting itself because it's illogical. And your mind should recognize that God made it very clear. He made Adam, man, and male and female made he, them, that all mankind was made into genders. It's a vain deceit. It is. How about this one? Science and biblical faith are incompatible. You ever heard that one? You can't both believe science and believe the Bible. And they say that for what she just said. Well, you Bible believers believe that, but science says. Well, no, it doesn't really say that. But, but listen, Bible and, the Bible and, biblical, uh, and science are far from incompatible. In fact, get this. The bedrock of the scientific theorem was based upon the Word of God. Here's where it came from. They believed that there was a creator and sustainer of the universe who had put this all in motion, and if there was a creator and a sustainer who had put it in motion and developed laws of how it worked, that they would be repeatable. And so you could repeat them by having a theory, scientific theory, right? Having a theory and then doing the exercise to find out or the the experiments to see if it's actually repeatable. And if it's not repeatable, it's not science. It's not true. And it was the Bible that, that created that. You may have never heard of a guy. And uh, I'd tell you about him. I can't remember his name right now. Um, He was known as the world's greatest um, uh, atheist. Later in his life, he got saved. He went from being an atheist to ultimately being a believer. And when asked why he made the change, this is what he said. The study of science. Because as I studied science, I realized there had to be a God based upon the way creation works. And when I realized there had to be a God, I realized that I would have to deal with him at some point, and I sought that out. See, science and biblical faith are completely compatible. The Bible is not a science book per se, but it's a corrector of all false science. In fact, it calls it out and calls it science falsely so-called. I want to move on, but I hope you can understand this that there are philosophies in the world. Listen, today, you're being being inculcated by a philosophy that you probably can't even name. I'll tell you what it is. It's Marxism, and it's cultural Marxism. And cultural Marxism began when Marxism failed. Marxism failed at the end of the First World War. Uh, Marx expected all the soldiers to come home and rise up against the elites and say, we'll never fight for you again. Instead, they became more patriotic, more nationalistic, And so uh, they took this idea into the think tanks, the philosophical schools in Europe, and they came out with something called critical theory. You think you know something about it. You only know about it what you're being told. And and critical theory was a part of this thing called cultural Marxism. Hey, we're getting to the Bible here. Just stay with me because all of this is about how you need to think according to the truth of the word of God. And cultural Marxism said, since we don't have a victim in the workers class, that's what Marxism started out, right? Poor downtrodden downtrodden workers. We have to create victims. And so do you know what came out of that? See if this sounds familiar to you. You know what came out of critical theory, cultural Marxism, right? So instead of uh, having a worker class, we've got to create victims, was this political correctness came out of that. And they began to create through that victim groups, okay? So they took groups and they began to uh, convince them through political correctness and other means that they were downtrodden, they were held down, that they were not being treated fairly, right? So that they would be victims, And they uh, did it along racial lines and along gender lines and uh, along religious lines. And, uh, of course, uh, that will always continue to morph until they have everybody as a victim. So now it's all sorts of different lines, orientation lines and, and things that never are really identifiable anyway. They've made all of these victims. So now the victims will rise up and overthrow the masters. And really what they do when they do that is make themselves slaves. To the ones who pull the strings on Marxism. You're being taught it every day in school. Every day. And you know, for some of you, it's spoiling you. You're you're confused about some things. You're trying to figure out, should you have a different identity or orientation or what's right and what's wrong? Please listen to me clearly. You're being spoiled. You're being beguiled. And here's what you're being beguiled by philosophies and vain deceits after the traditions of men after the rudiments of the world and so the world's thinking rudiments are the building blocks or really they're the pieces of their of their of their philosophies and you're being spoiled by these things every day and and you're being carried away and we're seeing Christian young people come to youth camp and they've grown up in Christian homes, never any idea about all of this, uh, this foolishness that's going on today. And they're standing up and saying, I think, you know, I was born a girl, but I think I'm a man and, or, uh, well, I mean, boy. And, uh, and, you know, all of these things. And let me tell you what it is. It is rank confusion. You look at me clearly in my eyes today. Uh, sir, if you were born a male, you are not a female inside. And can I say this? You may have some feelings. Most of them are learned. But feelings can never dictate your life. This must, according to truth. We'll get there in just a second, I promise. But listen, if you're confused about whether you should, who you should love, let me help you with this. Start with God. Then go to your parents. And then when that time comes in your life, the only legitimate, truth-filled relationship of that sort, is between a man and a woman. And the Bible established it. And you know that. But there is a difference between knowledge and understanding. And so you're studying in school and you're doing all these things and you have all these messages coming at you. And part of you says, I'm sure it's not true, but I don't know, everybody's doing it. beguiled, Mm -hmm. And it was all because of your mind. It's because of what's going on in your mind because in your mind you couldn't reason because in your mind you uh, didn't have the understanding. You may have understood the words or known the words, but you didn't have the understanding. I'm just telling you that you're being beguiled. And what it's robbing you of is victory and joy in Jesus Christ. It's robbing you of living a life that matters for Jesus Christ. You're being spoiled and, and you're and you're doing all that you can to melt into the cultural background around you in your school and, and other places. Instead of standing up and being distinct for Jesus, Christ. For some of you, it's robbing you of eternal life in Jesus Christ because you're convinced that the whole thing is a myth. You have been spoiled. And that's the warning. But I do want you to know this. There's an answer. And the answer is Jesus Christ. No, no, no. Nothing generic in your life. No more generic garbage. You can buy generic soap, generic beans, and generic spam, but throw out the spam. But when it comes to truth, no more generalizations. Specific truth. Look at verse nine. Right? Verse 8, we've been looking at that after the rudiments of men, after the uh, traditions of men, rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Listen to me, young people, philosophy is not bad. Philosophy after the traditions and rudiments of the world is bad. Our philosophy, our systematic way of thinking, is to be after Christ. Verse 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Well, listen, we'll close in just a couple of minutes. When you're born again, he makes you a new creature. Can I tell you what Paul wrote in Timothy? That we've been given the spirit of power. Who knows the rest? Come on, young people. Yes. Of a, of a what mind? Love and a sound mind. A sound mind that part of your inheritance in Christ was a mind that could be fully engaged and an intellect that could be developed beyond measure, that no longer was held bondage to the lies of the world, that no longer was confused by sin, but you've been given a sound mind in Christ. Now, very few of us ever develop it, and that's a sad thing, but understand this. That, that, that if you can see all the, the vain uh, deceits and the, and the things that are coming at you and how they're trying to rob from you what Christ has for you, please get this. The answer to this is renewing your mind after Jesus Christ. To be born again... And being born again, then to begin to have the mind of Christ. And that's why it says that in Romans 12. Isn't that right? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, that means in your body, but be ye transformed, how? Come on, how? How? By the renewing of your mind. That you've been set free to have an intellect like Christ. Do you know that Jesus Christ is probably uh, the greatest intellect? I'm not talking about in his deity. I'm talking about in his humanity untwisted by sin, the greatest intellect that's ever walked the face of the planet. Jesus Christ had more logic and with it he constantly confounded the naysayers and the, and the religious leaders of the day and he constantly encouraged those around him. They were astonished at his logic. He went into the, uh, to the, uh, to the synagogue in Capernaum and taught on a Sabbath day and when he got done talking they said this, whoa, they were astonished they'd never heard it like that before. Why? Because Jesus Christ had the greatest intellect of any human being that ever lived. And you know what he offers to you? The ability to develop your mind beyond compare. But here's what it requires. That you're born again, that you have a new mind, and that you guard your mind. That's what the Bible says. And that you take captive every thought. You take it captive to obedience to Christ. You are not at the mercy of random thinking. You have the power, if you're saved, to take your thoughts captive to obedience to Christ and you're to cast down imaginations and those things which exalt themselves against Christ and renew your mind on the truth of the word of God that you may prove, that you may live, that you may bring glory to God and live lives filled with joy and peace, uh, unavailable through any other course except the renewing of your intellect. Young people, I'm telling you, it's time that we had a generation of Christians who use their mind because we don't to a great extent. In fact, you've often been taught both secularly and to some degree in the church that education is bad and that being smart is not cool. Uh, you know, when I was uh, in uh, your age, uh, if you did your homework, they called you a schoolboy. Uh, that was a term of derision. Your friends would be like, you got your homework done, you schoolboy? I mean, I got more in more than one fight with people who were schoolboys because I never did my homework. I mean, come on. It's stupid. Decide something this morning. Decide that you're going to deliberately transform your life by transforming your mind on the Word of God. That you're going to develop not just knowledge, you're getting that all the time, but understanding. You're going to ask for the help so that you can begin to walk through life and make decisions according to the Word of God and not just the loudest voice of the day. That you can walk in victory and that you can have real joy, not temporal happiness. Have you ever noticed that, right? You write a note, if you like me, in science class, if you like me, drop this note on the floor, you know? And then she drops the note on the floor because she didn't see you set it there. (laughs) And then you see the note on the floor, and you're like, (gasps) and you're so happy. That's not joy, it's happy. And then she gets up and steps on it. You were thinking she was gonna pick it up and treasure it forever. She steps on it, walks out in the hallway and hugs her boyfriend. (laughs) And you go from like, that's not joy. Joy is what comes in you when you begin to renew your mind and walk in sweet harmony and obedience to Jesus Christ. Would you decide that? That from wherever you're at, you'd make a decision right now that you're gonna engage maybe in a new way and you're gonna have a new mind and you will not be spoilable by the world, but you will be filled with joy and peace and victory in Jesus Christ by having his mind. Bow your heads with me if you will.